0: Listening to County Conversations, a podcast brought to you by the New York State Association of Counties. I'm your host, Kate Pierce-Nims, Multimedia Specialist with NYSAC. Our conversation today will focus on Thrive Livingston, the county's Rural Anti-Poverty Plan, a strategy tool that focuses on combating social, cultural, economic, and environmental challenges facing residents of its rural community. We're very happy to be joined today by Livingston's Deputy County Administrator, Angela Ellis, Thank you so very much for taking the time to have this conversation today.
1: Thanks so much, Kate. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk today.
0: So to start us off, can you give us an overview of how the plan was created and how it currently serves Livingston County?
1: Sure. That's really a great question. Um, I had to think a little bit about uh, this one and the plan really started as a dialogue. Um, Our human service department heads uh, meet monthly uh, to provide an update on their current activities. They talk about challenges they might be experiencing, and they generally talk about topics of mutual interest and interdepartmental uh, concern. These meetings are really helpful for them, I think, because it improves communications between the departments, fosters a more collaborative environment and helps break down uh, some silos. What's interesting about those meetings is when they have the opportunity to talk about some of those challenges, uh, they really start to discuss how they can uh, work on them uh, together. And the dialogue really shifted to multiple questions. Are we effectively meeting resident needs through the services that we provide? Are we providing services that support poverty reduction in the county? How do we know? What should we do to figure it out? As it happened, those discussions were taking place uh, in 2017, which is about the same time as the state launched the Empire State Poverty Reduction Initiative. I don't know if you remember that, but it's called ESPRI is uh, is how we affectionately uh, refer to it. ESPRE was really largely focused on city and urban poverty uh, concerns. Our county leaders and department heads felt that rural, rural counties are also experiencing very similar challenges, just on a different scale. Through the insight of County Administrator Ian Coyle and our County Board of Supervisors, we decided to develop a rural poverty reduction initiative. We thought that we could align it with ESPRI and that it could serve as a model for other rural counties across the state. We were hoping that by creating that uh, model uh, that we could secure funding for implementation. That really set the stage for, for Thrive And our framework is really very, very simple, and any county can do this. We convened an administrative leadership team to oversee and develop the model. We completed an inventory of existing community needs assessments and program support information. We bundled that all together, and then we related it to a funding source uh, index. The outcome was really a document that listed various projects and programs that could lead individuals and families down a path to prosperity and improve self-sufficiency, and we, we bundled that under multiple
0: pillars. So with those pillars, um, I know that the plan is built on several of those pillars. Can you go into detail on what they are and how they support the plan?
1: Sure. There was a lot of discussion that went around uh, these pillars and and what pillars do you select and and how do you go about doing that. Uh, We settled on housing, jobs, job training, transportation, youth and education, and, and quality of life. The discussions that went around why these pillars, um, we really selected them with multiple principles in mind. So we talked about um, the need to ensure that we accelerate job creation. We wanted to transcend uh, challenges. We wanted to transform and strengthen families We also wanted to have a better alignment of public and private resources with our community based interventions. Uh, We felt that we wanted to have uh, that that blending would lead to more successful outcomes for our residents and improving their quality of life. And then finally, we wanted to uh, be innovative and creative. Uh, we're we're in interesting times right now, and even back in two thousand seventeen, we recognized that we needed to think out the think outside the box. It's really a a must do, especially these days uh, with the challenges uh, that we're facing that were certainly exacerbated uh, through COVID. I can talk um, if you'd like about a few of our uh, major successful. Uh, initiatives that happened underneath these these pillars, uh, for example, because a lot of people ask, okay, you create these pillars, but then what do you do with the pillars? What we did was um, through our community needs assessments and discussions with. Our department heads and various populations that we served, we identified various programs and projects that we uh, listed under the various uh, pillars. Uh, For example, under the pillar uh, of housing, uh, we have multiple projects and activities included uh, development of a land bank corporation, preparing a countywide housing needs assessment providing supportive housing for special needs populations and providing housing and services for for the homeless. As you can imagine, when you look through the COVID lens, uh, these types of programs really elevated in terms of importance, which then really elevated the importance for us of our overall initiative um, being being Thrive. Uh, Under quality of life, one that stands out is broadband. Broadband. Uh, we see that need across the state. Uh, we have branded our broadband initiative as Light Up Livingston. Uh, but again, you know, internet and issues, you know, were identified as a concern many years before COVID uh, hit. But since COVID, obviously, the importance of it has really uh, ratcheted up. So we've always tried to to work on these different initiatives with um knowing that our 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 focus is going to be on getting funding to 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 do the work.
0: And I was just thinking that there these pillars work out so well because really you can't address housing without also addressing transportation without also addressing job security. So there's a lot that goes in together that kind of feed the synergy of the whole initiative, right? The whole goal of raising families out of poverty and alleviating these symptoms of poverty in your community Um, so with the specifics of the program how do you identify funding and grants to accomplish the goals specified in the plan to address these multiple different varied factors transportation and housing and job security all seem they all tie together we know that but they're also very separate issues that need to be addressed separately so how do you find the funding and grants to accomplish your goals.
1: Yeah, that's a that's a what that's a great question, Kate, and you also made a really good point. And that's that, um, and you actually identified a perfect one, transportation services. Transportation services, uh, everyone knows is a key barrier to getting access to services. Um, And when we look at the different programs that we're trying to fund, we're trying to figure out how can we cross-pollinate the goals of those individual programs Uh, like increasing access to public transportation, how do we consider that need when we're thinking about supportive housing, for example? When we're working on a supportive housing project, you know, we're thinking about uh, the, the special needs population or the hard to place individuals that we're responsible for. And then we, we wanna create a path for prosperity or self-sufficiency for them. That means they need to get to certain services. They need to be able to access medical services. They need to perhaps get to mental health counseling um, or substance abuse counseling. So we need to think about what transportation uh, mechanisms or uh, resources do we need to make available so that we can make that uh, individual or family uh, more more successful? So when we think about the funding sources that go along with that, um, we have a lot of discussion um, about you know, what funding sources we should actually go after. And we try to, to the best of our ability, when we're looking for funding sources, try to leverage other objectives across those pillars and across those needs that our our residents uh, have. But the very first step that actually has to happen is our board leadership has to determine and declare it as a priority. So our board and our and uh, county administrator Coyle have obviously determined that the Thrive Initiative uh, is a priority. Uh, they recognize that the I'll call it the a suite of uh, programs and projects that we have identified need to essentially work together to help support um, our residents and our and our community needs. So knowing that we literally just start turning over every rock we can find. <laughs> so, you know, we, we're, we're always on the hunt for appropriate funding opportunities. And when I say appropriate funding opportunities, um, I, I, we really kind of look through a certain lens and that lens is, you know, we need to be obviously eligible. We need to have the right partners. The funding source needs to be competitive. It needs to meet our needs. It needs to align with our goals for strategic investment, and we have to have the capacity to be able to administer the grant, deliver on it, and do it within the time frame that it's expected uh, within the uh, performance period uh, for for the grant. Originally, when we pulled together the Thrive uh, Livingston um, initiative, we, we bundled. all of of the the programs and projects under the model and our intent was to submit it to the state for funding to uh, essentially fund the entire approach Uh, unfortunately the state had different ideas for the funding (laughs) and uh, so we weren't able to secure funding for the bundled approach but we decided that this initiative is a priority for us It's very, very important uh, to our our residents. And so we started uh, looking for funding on a piecemeal approach as opportunities presented themselves. But again, through that lens of trying to figure out how to uh, overlay the goals across uh, the multiple pillars, and that's really an activity that the staff do here. When we talk about when we look through that lens, who looks through that lens? That's really our responsibility. That's you know that's something that we do here, um, either through our department heads, uh, through administration, or through our, our leadership. We have that that dialogue about you know what makes what makes the most uh, sense. I really do feel that we've been very successful um, in terms of being able to secure some, some funding sources. And we get a lot of questions uh, about that. Uh, just some examples of some programs we've been able to access, uh, community development block grant program, community services block grant program, uh, funding for land banks through uh, enterprise community partners, uh, public transportation. We've been able to secure funding through our metropolitan planning organization, which for us is the Genesee Transportation uh, Council and uh, USDA Reconnect uh, uh, program for for broadband. And certainly, I can talk about any of the projects uh, that you know are represented. What I was trying to to think about for today, for today's podcast is, you know, the questions that come up about where did you go for your funding, you know, we're just constantly keeping our eyes open. Um, We had not really secured in the past a lot of federal funding, we had been focusing more on the annual consolidated funding application process that the state has. Uh, But we found that we need to, like I said, think outside the box a little bit more and work a little bit more on securing uh, federal resources. And um, I think it's, I I really do think that it's, that it's working for us.
0: That's so great. I loved what you had said before about no stone unturned. So to fund a project of this size and of this impact for your community, you really need to Make sure that you've got the funding streams available from multiple different sources. So that is so great, and I'm looking forward to getting more into it. But we are going to be right back to the conversation after a brief message from a sponsor of ours at NISAC. FirstNet is the only nationwide wireless broadband communications platform dedicated to America's first responders and public safety community. Their highly secure communications platform brings reliability to public safety agencies and first responders, helping them make faster and better decisions to keep themselves and the public safe. In partnership with AT&T, FirstNet is solving the communications challenges like interoperability and network congestion that first responders face every day. To learn more, visit firstnet.com. So the county's anti-poverty plan, Thrive Livingston, was originally created in 2017. That's five years of growth with some interruption from the pandemic. Can you talk about some of your achievements during that time with this plan in place, how it's allowed you to achieve success with some of the different initiatives within your community? Sure,
1: sure. That's, That's a great question in terms of of uh, overall what we've been able to accomplish over, over the years. And sometimes it's, I mean, every year we try to take a, a look at, you know, what have we done, uh, are we are we moving forward? Are we progressing the way that we should? And we try to celebrate our successes as well. And terms of saying, okay, you know, there's there were some big initiatives, how do we do? Um, there are probably two I think that really uh, stand out, uh, one related to housing and the other really related uh, to, to broadband. And the probably the, the, the biggest success that I can see in terms of housing uh, for, for the county uh, was the uh, establishment of the Livingston County Land Bank Corporation. Uh, that also happened in in 2017. And we, we've been able to, what I call, go from crawling to walking. I wouldn't say we're running super fast, uh, but in the five years we've been able to uh, uh, get funding to established staff. Uh, We've been able to uh, demolish uh, two residential, or two structures. One was residential and and one was actually industrial, which happened to be uh, one of the, uh, the industrial property was a property that happened to be on uh, DEC's uh, contaminated list. It worked out, it worked out as a really nice partnership uh, between the county uh, and DEC and the land bank. Uh, The the County ended up owning the property, uh, had an interest in wanting to get it cleaned up. The Land Bank was able to step in and use uh, its funding resources and staff to make that happen. And then we were able to partner with uh, DEC uh, who is going to come in and do the final remediation of the site, and then uh, we'll we'll be able to go ahead and dispose that. And it will be suitable for uh, development at a later at a later point. Uh, We've also been able to uh, rehabilitate another uh, home, single family residential home, which is now occupied by a family. And we did that in partnership with the Livingston County Habitat for Chapter of Habitat for Humanity. So we've been able to form some partnerships that are are really allowing us to address some of these community issues. needs and certainly address the the housing uh, issues. We're currently in the process of developing an application to the community development block grant program for a mobile home replacement uh, project and that would be in partnership with Cattaraugus Community uh, Action. So we've made a lot of headway I think there. I think we've established some Uh, relationships and partnerships, um, either through uh, a natural progression of of mutual interest in projects uh, or through uh, funding uh, opportunities. We've also, I had identified earlier, the housing needs assessment and market analysis. That was completed in, in 2019. So we aligned the projects that we're working on in terms of the land bank and other activities Um, with the housing needs uh, assessment uh, recommendations, which also included, for example, um, the supportive services housing uh, project. So we're also currently exploring uh, the conversion of a motel property into single uh, units uh, for uh, hard to place uh, individuals that need services. That's something that's on our Thrive Livingston. Uh, That's something that's uh, also identified in our housing needs uh, assessment. It's obviously a state goal as well to provide housing. And of course, uh, COVID exacerbated uh, those uh, issues. So I I think we're making some headway there and I think that's a really good thing. The fact that we documented these programs under the Thrive uh, initiative gives us the ability to point towards that document and that initiative when we're applying for funding sources. I really feel that that gives us a bit of a competitive edge uh, when we're trying to secure funding for the things that we do. Um, I can tie that also to broadband. Uh, we call our broadband initiative, we've branded it, uh, I might've said this before, but at Light Up Livingston, uh, that branding is really something that gets credited to County Administrator uh, Coyle. He really wanted to elevate the um, the need to address broadband infrastructure needs in the county to the point that he felt we should give it a name. And so, while it is identified under under Thrive, um, under our quality of life, it really that is really a need that transcends across multiple pillars. That really became very evident uh, through COVID, and the County Board of Supervisors identified uh, broadband as a as as a priority for us for looking for. Funding. So we we partnered with um, an engineering firm, um, our community stakeholders, and then ultimately uh, Empire Access, which who we um, identified through a request for an RFP uh, process for a public private partnership. And we applied to the USDA Reconnect 2 program and were successful uh, in getting funding to help expand um, infrastructure to um, a little over 1,100 new new addresses. And that's an $11.3 million grant that we were able to secure through uh, USDA, which we're very grateful for. Um, but there's more work to be done. Uh, that's not going to finish the job. The county has determined that fiber to home is the solution that we want to see. So we continue to look for funding sources that are going to um, make make that happen. What I think is is good about these particular success projects, I think, is that they also, these two also align with state goals and so you know when we look at statewide initiatives and trying to uh, meet certain community needs um, in the case of light up livingston for example we're paying attention to the activities of the new york state broadband program and the state's goals for broad for broadband and we want to align our goals we're trying to prepare ourselves um, for uh, when funding becomes available through through the state so that we can be uh, more competitive. So, for example, right now, we're really paying attention to the mapping process, the FCC maps, the updates of the FCC maps. And we've actually gone to a town-level analysis on our end here in Livingston County in hopes that that will get us prepared not only for state uh, funding, Uh, down the road, but uh, federal funding as well, which in this case, largely federal funding is going to be going to the states. Uh, For for housing, um, the county determined that the formation of a land bank was really necessary to work on some of these initiatives. And the state is recognizing the importance of uh, land banks as well. Uh, The New York State Association for Land Banks does a great job in terms of getting the, the word out about the importance of land banks within all um, across the state and the work that they do to improve uh, communities and, and neighborhoods and turn some of these really dilapidated uh, properties that are really degrading communities and turning them into something that, that is more of an asset um the state putting funding into the state budget to help with that is an important step um, towards uh, recognizing and supporting that vehicle for adjusting that need
0: exactly there as i'm listening to you describe the successes of the program and the different partnerships that you've made this um, initiative this plan is not something that just is made by one person and you the success can be attributed to one person. This is really uh, an effort that has taken a lot of time and expertise from a lot of the stakeholders in Livingston County. And I did want to mention to our listeners today that Livingston County was recently honored by the International City and County Management Association as the recipient of the organization's Community Equity and Inclusion Award. So there's a lot of collaboration, a lot of innovation that's going into this plan. How else are you getting word out about the anti-poverty plan to the county and also at a regional and statewide level to be a resource to your peers and county government?
1: Yeah, that's a that's a great question. Um, something that counties don't really do a a, a great job at, I think, is is tooting our own horns right so um certainly we're we're good with uh press releases uh when funding announcements uh come out we you know we also look to to social media certainly for the individual programs to to get uh participation and, and awareness uh, of the different activities uh that we do um, Arguably, though we could do a better job uh, at that for sure, but I, that's something I'm sure every county uh, has to struggle with a little bit or in some some fashion. Another way that we um, recognize thrive is through our strategic plan. So when we annually do the strategic planning process, we are identifying thrive uh, activities through that process, and it kind of lives there uh, through that document and through uh, that process. Um, we've had some discussions internally about kind of the public relations and you know, how can we get the word uh, out about, you know the different things that we work on. We've I think we do a pretty good job with it piecemeal. I'm not sure it really we don't really or haven't done much in the way of a you know recognition that this is part of the the Thrive. And we need to do a better job at that. We we think that um not we think that. I mean the county is we're just we just hired a, a new Uh, public information and grants coordinator and in fact he'll he's going to be starting this month and we've added this need as an action item uh for for him we're hoping that a fresh set of of eyes will produce some creative ideas for us to consider about how we get the, the word out so that maybe we can do it a little bit better because we want that feedback. We really do want that. So there's there's getting the word out about what we're doing, but there's also the opportunity to get feedback on how, how well we're doing. Um, we are due for a Thrive um, update. Um, up to this point, we've really kept it simple. Uh, on purpose. Uh, we we didn't wanna make it complicated because we just really wanted to get get out of the gate uh, on it. So in taking the time to revisit our objectives and look at uh, performance measurement, and then especially take a look at through the COVID lens um, for impacts and, and how we're doing, um, our thought is that we need to um, Look at some different opportunities for how we engage the public and our stakeholders uh, in in that process. So that's definitely one to stay tuned to. I think you're going to be seeing more uh, out of us over the next um, couple of years. But we we certainly do appreciate the the recognition and, and the award, and it's validating for us because it tells us that we're moving in the right in the right direction.
0: Right. It's so important to hear, like you said, feedback on a program. It's one thing to get the word out, but if you put the word out and you do all of this work, and then it's kind of crickets, (laughs) it's hard to, you know, to move forward without knowing the impact that you're currently having. So being recognized is a huge deal. And hearing back from the community, the impact of your efforts so far are so huge. Um, It's so important to give and receive feedback at the county level. So... Happy to hear that you've been recognized and that more people are hearing about this program. And as we're coming to the end of our conversation today, I just wanted to ask if you had any thoughts on some of the key or most valuable lessons learned from implementing Thrive Livingston. And in that vein, if you had any advice for other counties looking to implement a similar plan and fold in these different pillars into their strategic planning for their county.
1: Sure. Um, thanks for your kind comments too, Kate. I, I, I appreciate that and certainly we we appreciate that at, at, at the county too. Um, so in terms of kind of some valuable lessons and what we've learned <clears throat> over the last uh, few years of, of working on these different uh, initiatives, um, there are a few things that really kind of stand out, I think. Uh, The importance of encouraging collaboration and cooperation amongst the many stakeholders, giving people a voice at the table, um, breaking down the silos, that is is very valuable um, to recognize that you cannot do this alone. Uh, And and you shouldn't do it alone. (laughs) There are a lot of stakeholders and they need to be involved uh, in the process and and they have an important voice that needs to be uh, recognized. Strategic investment is really key, I think. Um, There's the need to align public and private resources. And that's really to, you know, when you're thinking about how you want to invest your dollars, you're trying to look to see what's the most efficient way way to do that. You want to be able to leverage your resources and, and your, your assets, and that hopefully will lead to the best um, outcomes that will meet the community needs and certainly is more, in my opinion, fiscally responsible. Uh, understanding the importance of connecting and aligning with the county's strategic plan. That's really important, because you want to ensure that all of your initiatives um, are uh, aligning and working together so that you have the best use of your resources, the best use of your staff time. uh, And it also gives you a better ability to determine which funding sources are most appropriate uh, for the initiatives that you want to be able to, to work on. You need to be flexible. You really have to be flexible and especially in your approach. And what do I really mean by that? Uh, you have to be targeted because I've talked about strategic investment and being strategic about identifying some of these, these things, but we also have to be nimble. <laughs> we have to be flexible. We have to be able to adapt to change, whether it's change in the political climate, available funding, um, emerging or immediate issues like COVID, for example. You know, Who would have thought, right? So you have to be able to adjust in times And you have to be able to change up your priorities based on some of those factors. And then finally, I would say um, never give up. Um, It can can get frustrating and and discouraging when things feel like they're getting off track, i.e. COVID, for example. But that's really a time, I feel, um, and I really think our county did it very, very well. Uh, You have to reassess you have to refocus and you have to re-engage. And um, those are three really important things that you have to be willing to do. uh, And you have to recognize that you need to do it, but don't give up because our residents are really counting on us.
0: Very powerful words there. I was just thinking like, as you were saying that, how impactful that is to hear. Um, And just what a great reflection on the initiative that that is. I really am so appreciative of your time and expertise today. I just wanted to give a shout out to our listeners that if you are inspired by our conversation today, um, Deputy County Administrator Angela Ellis has offered that if you're interested, you can definitely reach out to her. um, And I'll offer that to you, Angela, if you wanted to point our listeners into how they should go about doing that.
1: Sure. So um, certainly anybody should feel free to give uh, my myself uh, a call. Um, I could be reached at area code 585-243-7550. Uh, Obviously, folks should feel free to to contact County Administrator Ian Coyle. He's always willing to discuss uh, these uh, initiatives uh, as as well, uh, and certainly on the county's website at LivingstonCounty.us, uh, we are more than willing to to share the information uh, that we have, uh, and um, I guess we all we all kind of hopefully elevate uh, together and uh it's a good thing to to do and share and we're well, we're willing to do that
0: that's phenomenal thank you so much again for joining us today to have this conversation
1: thanks kate it's been a real pleasure
0: thanks for listening to this episode of Nysax county conversations podcast Keep tuning in for more county government-focused conversations, and make sure to subscribe to stay up to date.